Hello there, Patriots fans, and welcome on into episode seven of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. I'm Mark Schofield. Happy to be with you today, Saturday, October 26th, 2019, on one of our newest shows here at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Every Saturday, Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind will bring you the best of what the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network had to offer over the course of the previous week from all of our shows, from the flagship Pat's Pulpit Podcast with Rich Hill and Alex Shane to Patriot Nation from Pat Land and Ryan Spagnoli, our new show Pulpit Playback, look for episode two to drop next week, and The Sco Show with yours truly. In addition, this will give us a Pat's Pulpit a chance to get you caught up with any last-minute news before the weekend gets rolling and also give you some college games to scout if you're into that sort of thing. Also, we've got some music to bring you in and out for this show. That is Hope from Head of Music, and you can check them out at headofmusic.com. Don't forget, these are just snippets of the shows you'll hear every day on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, and you can get these shows by subscribing to Pat's Pulpit via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave reviews for us as well. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. Let's kick things off as we usually do here on Radio Rewind and take a look at the injury report. Now, it's a bit lighter than we've seen in earlier weeks. Only two players ruled out for New England. Tight ends Matt Lacoste with a lingering knee injury and tight end Ryan Izzo with a concussion. That means Benjamin Watson and Eric Tomlinson will be your tight ends for the second week in a row. Now listed as questionable for the New England Patriots, running back Rex Burkhead, who has been dealing with an ongoing foot injury, Julian Edelman with his chest injury, wide receiver Gunnar Olszewski with his ankle and hamstring, guard Shaq Mason listed as questionable with an ankle, and safety Patrick Chun, who has been dealing with both heel and chest injuries. Now for the Cleveland Browns, who are coming off of a bye week, Demarius Randall is listed as out, the safety. And they have two players, offensive tackle Kendall Lamb and safety Sheldrick Redwine, listed as questionable. Lamb with a knee injury and Redwine with a hamstring injury. So the Patriots, relatively healthy, headed into this game on, again, a short week against the Cleveland Browns, who are coming off their bye. As for what to expect in this game, while the number is 13.5, where the New England Patriots are favored, I think this game will be a little bit closer. That's what I've been talking about this week on the SCO Show, although I have no doubt that the Patriots are going to pull out this victory against Cleveland. That was set up, obviously, a huge one next Sunday night to kick off November, a Sunday night trip down to Baltimore to take on the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Now, if you're looking for some other ways to spend your Saturday as you wait for Sunday's 425 kickoff, there are some college games you might want to keep your eye on. First up, it gets going early in the noontime hour. On Fox, number 13, Wisconsin, fresh off their loss to Illinois. They travel to the horseshoe to take on Ohio State. Number 13, Wisconsin at number 3, Ohio State. No shortage of talent to watch in that game, especially with the running backs. You've got some great running backs in that contest you might want to keep an eye on if you're into the sort of the college scouting thing. You've got Jonathan Taylor, the running back for Wisconsin. You've got J.K. Dobbins, the running back for Ohio State. You've also got some great offensive linemen for Wisconsin. They always turn out some good offensive linemen. And Justin Fields, the new quarterback for Ohio State, has had a fantastic season so far. Completed 116 of 164 passes for over 1,400 yards, 22 touchdowns, just one interception. 
tremendous young talent at the quarterback position. So again, that game gets rolling right at noon. That would take you up to a pretty interesting 3.30 slate. You've got the big one. Obviously, people will be watching Auburn at LSU. They're going to want to see more of Joe Burrow, who is playing himself into true QB1 contention. He's been doing this over the past couple of weeks. He's had a tremendous start to his season. And interestingly enough, he's played himself already into the QB2 spot in the eyes of many evaluators. For example, the Athletics' Dane Brugler, always a keen eye for quarterback talent and quarterback evaluation. He now has two a QB1, Burrow QB2, you know, with Burrow moving himself ahead of Justin Herbert for Oregon. And so this is now going to be the interesting part of LSU's schedule of Burrow's season because now, look, they get Auburn at home, and then the big one, November 9th, they'll get a bye the following week. And then after that, they go to Tuscaloosa, that game at Alabama. Now might be Tua versus Burrow. It could be a battle for supremacy, not just in the SEC, but on the college football landscape. It could be a battle for QB1, but they got to beat Auburn first. And that's a game kicking off in the 3.30 hour, 3.30 slated games. Again, that one is on CBS. Interesting game over on ESPN. For you Big Ten fans, Minnesota. Quietly a 7-0 team. They get a chance to go to 8-0 for the first time in a very long time. They're hosting Maryland. And look, that gets them to 8-0. They got to buy. Then they come back at home. Penn State currently ranked 6th. Then Iowa, who's ranked 20th right now. And then home at an unranked Northwestern team. I mean, excuse me. Then they go to Northwestern on November 23rd. And then they finish the season with that game against Wisconsin, their rivalry game, there's a chance here. We're talking about Minnesota currently in first place in the Big Ten West, punching a ticket to the Big Ten championship game. And again, they get a chance to go to 8-0 for the first time in, like I said, a very long time with a win against Maryland at home this Saturday. So that's also a game in the 3.30 hour, that one on ESPN, those of you interested in checking that one out. Some interesting games in the evening slate. BC at Clemson. A lot of Patriots fans will probably be keeping an eye on that one. Get a chance to see Trevor Lawrence up close. Notre Dame at Michigan. For Notre Dame, you get a chance to see in terms of the scouting, you get a chance to see Ian Book up close. And they also, they got a very good tight end on their roster who, if you're a Patriots fan and you wondered about the future of the tight end spot, keep an eye on this guy. I've mentioned it before. Tight end Cole Komet, number 84 in your program. 21 receptions, 265 yards, receiving for three touchdowns, averaging 12.6 yards per reception. He's had some injury troubles, but an interesting tight end talent. If you're wondering about, like I said, the future of the Patriots tight end spot, he's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. So you get Notre Dame at Michigan. That's always an interesting game to watch. You get number eight at number 19, Notre Dame at the Big House. So that game kicks off 7.30 on ABC. Finally, if you're up for it, Pac-12 after dark, you get Washington State at Oregon. Washington State unranked Oregon just outside the top 10. That's a 10-30 kick. That's on ESPN. And what's interesting about the storyline for this game is obviously, look, you know Justin Herbert, senior quarterback for the Oregon Ducks, probably get a chance to obviously not just be at the senior bowl, but perhaps be one of the first quarterbacks off the board, one of the first picks off the board in the upcoming draft. But he's going to go up against Anthony Gordon from Washington State, obviously taking over for Gardner Minshew. And Gordon has put up some pretty impressive numbers himself. 
completed over 70% of his passes for nearly 3,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. Now, quarterback rating, not the best college statistic, but a quarterback rating of 166.6. And so that will be a fascinating matchup to watch. And it might not be the last time these guys see each other on a field because who knows? Down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, both those guys might be down there as well. So that's a quick spin through the college football slate, some of the games that I will be keeping an eye on. Up next, the meat of the show. And that's some of the best that we had to offer here for you, the gentle listener on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. That's ahead on Episode 7 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Mark Schofield back with you now on Episode 7 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. And it's time to get to the meat and potatoes, the nuts and the bolts of this show. And that is by bringing you up to speed on everything we did here this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And we start with our instant reaction show with the Patriots kicking off on Monday night. You didn't hear from us until after that game. And first up was Pat Lane with the instant reaction show. And in this clip, you'll hear him just sort of put into perspective the performance we saw from this defense by talking about what we saw Sam Darnold do on the field. Listen, it was just, it, it was an absolute systematic beatdown. Sam Darnold looked it just horrible, horrible. I, I don't, I mean, that's one of the worst performances by a quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've watched Nathan Peterman play football. So like, it was just really, really, really bad. And again, a lot of it wasn't bad reads. I mean, there were some bad reads in there, but it was just he's throwing off his back foot. He was, you know, he he even said he was seeing ghosts, but it's just like it, it was it was awful. It was really bad. So, anyways, you know, defense obviously does that to you a little bit. The Patriots defense was great. Um, they looked like they were playing rookie on Madden. Uh, it was it was ridiculous. And so, but again, you know, Donald just looked really really bad. He made one really nice throw where he got hit and delivered a strike to Demarius Thomas across the middle for a first down. That was literally the one play of the game. To give you an idea of how bad Sam Donald was, I'm in a fantasy football league. I was losing by three and a half points going into tonight's matchup. I had nobody playing. He had Sam Donald playing. I won by three and a half points. That's how bad of a night Sam Donald had. So, you know, you're talking about negative seven points out of your fantasy quarterback. Not great. Not great. Then we had episode 30 of the Sco Show from yours truly, and it was another glorious victory edition. And in this bit from that show, I dive into the idea of mental toughness and why we saw that and why that was my big takeaway from the Patriots defense. And that brings me to this Patriots defense tonight on the road against the New York Jets. And I want to just highlight two drives in particular. There was a drive from the Jets... And the score is 24-0. Patriots already have a lead. But it's still second quarter. You don't want to let them get back into the game. Now, on this drive, the Jets are gifted three first downs via penalty. There's a defensive holding on J.C. Jackson where it looks like he has a great pass breakup on an in-cut, but he's flagged for defensive holding. There's a defensive pass interference on J.C. Jackson where he's kind of step-for-step with Demarius Thomas. The pass is overthrown, didn't look to be catchable, but he's flagged for DPI. There's a rough in the passer on Danny Shelton who they get pressure on Sam Darnold who was pressured all night. Shelton gets a good hit on him but gives it a little oomph at the end. 
and he's flagged for that. That sort of landed on the quarterback. So they are gifted three first downs on this drive. And after the Shelton roughing the passer, when they've got it now down inside the red zone, you get Lawrence Guy stopping Le'Veon Bell for no gain on first down. You get great pressure by Dietrich Wise on second down, flushes Darnold to his left, throw goes out of bounds. He tries to hit Le'Veon Bell on an adjusted vertical route on a scramble drill, throw goes out of bounds. Now it's third and 10. Darnold with a terrible throw. Deron Harmon with the interception. And he's ruled down at the one. Tough call there. Looked like he might have hit the end line with his hand, but it doesn't matter. The point is this. As a defense... You give them three first downs via penalty. They're now in the red zone, and you still keep them out of the end zone. You keep them off the scoreboard. That's mental toughness. Then on Tuesday, we had episode 165 of the flagship show, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And in this clip, Rich and Alec dive into the identity of the Patriots offense, how they're trying to figure that out, and how they have time given just how well the defense is playing. No, it's true. And it's funny. One thing you have to kind of keep in mind is that Tom Brady, one thing he's always done consistently as a Patriot from 2001 all the way up to 2019 is he's always done what was asked of him and what he needed to do to get the job done and deliver a win for this team. If that is throw 50 times for 500 yards and six touchdowns, he's done that. If it's hand the ball off a lot and have 139 yards and a touchdown and a pick and that was enough to win it, he's done that. He's very good at kind of – for better or worse, just being the guy he needs to be. Uh, and with his defense being what it is, he doesn't really need to put the team on his back the way he has in years past. And maybe he knows that and he can take a little more risk and be a little more conservative, and that might play into it. But why not also play into it, Rich? I feel you and I talked about this last season, especially as November and December rolled around. You were always asking me what the identity of this offense was, and neither of us really had an answer. Were they a running team? Were they a passing team? Were they a smash-mouth team? We couldn't quite figure out where this uh, offense lie uh, lay as a, as an identity. Are you seeing the same thing this year, Rich? Do you feel like they're a, any kind of like this is the kind of team they are, or are they still kind of finding themselves? Yeah, they're definitely still finding themselves because this is kind of like a, a jigsaw offense or uh, whoever are the five healthy players get to play this week sort of offense. And so they haven't had a real chance to have any consistency to develop that identity. And I wouldn't be surprised if down that final stretch of the year – they were able to develop that, uh, you know, that ground game that they did last year. You know, they have their final four games against the Chiefs and their atrocious run defense. And then the Bengals and the Dolphins are uh, week 15 and 17 with the, the Bills sandwiched in there, but against uh, at Gillette Stadium. So those are four games that the running game could hopefully potentially just really start to develop because New England has historically run the ball well against this Bills defense. And maybe that'll kind of align with the reintegration of Isaiah Wynn into the offensive line and a player that we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, a new wide receiver who's a very, very good run blocker. And so maybe that'll show up and then you'll have all of these offensive players. Maybe Josh Gordon will find his groove and maybe, I mean, Edelman's still contributing at a high level, uh, but there isn't really a true sense of uh, this is what the Patriots do really well on offense. It's just that, the defense has been so good that uh, the offense can do whatever they can, and it's more than enough. 
Then on Wednesday, we had episode 31 of the SCO show. And after diving into Muhammad's new, I spent some quality time with the listeners. And in this clip, we have a great question from a listener down in Brazil who has his own Patriots podcast network and how the Patriots might look to stop Lamar Jackson in the weeks ahead. This comes via the Twitter machine. It comes from Philippe von Zubin. I hope I pronounced that right. He was at Philippe, F-E-L-I-P-E-V-O-N-Z-U-B-E-N, all one word, who is one of the crew members of at any Patriotas, a website slash Twitter site slash podcast about the Patriots down in Brazil. Now, he reached out, Mark, I'm from Brazil, one of the crew members of at any Patriotas, a website podcast about the Pats to Brazilians. We have more than 180 episodes already. I'm only at 31 here. Big props to them. Anyway, I like your podcast and would like to hear you talk about this defense against Lamar Jackson. A mobile quarterback was our kryptonite for a long time. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do this year. Now, first of all, give them a follow, both Philippe himself and at any Patriotas. Show them some love. Thanks for the question. It's a fascinating one and one I've already started to think about even in advance of your question, Philippe, because you're right. You're exactly right. Mobile quarterbacks, Watson, even at times Josh Allen, you know, name it, Marcus Mariota. Even go back a bit. You talk about Steve McNair. You know, mobile quarterbacks give most teams problems, but including the New England Patriots. And traditionally, when you think about what you don't want to do against a mobile quarterback, you don't want to play man coverage because guys in the secondary are going to have their backs to the quarterback and all he has to do is get behind that first wave of defenders, get into the second level, and you can run for days. We've seen that before. Blake Bortles, over the past couple of seasons when he was in Jacksonville, caused the Patriots some harm, you know, tucking and going in those situations. In that AFC Championship game, if he saw man coverage, he was taken off. And so you don't want to pay man coverage against a, guy, against a guy like Lamar Jackson, but that's what you do. That's your identity. You're cover one, you're cover zero looks. And so either you change who you are or you find a way to make it work. And I think that's what they're going to do. You might see some double spies. You might see if, for example, Patrick Chun is back. I don't think as a defense you're worried that much about they're receiving weapons. They do a lot with the tight ends. You can cover those guys with the guys that you have in the secondary. So you might take a Patrick Chun and say, you're one spy, Jamie Collins, you're the other. We're going to basically double Lamar Jackson. Why? This is what Bill Belichick does, right? He makes you fight with your strong hand tied behind your back. So if you're going to be you know, John Harbaugh and you're going to be the Baltimore Ravens, we rely on Lamar Jackson's athleticism. You take it away. You take it away from him. You double spy him. If you're using two guys to cover him, fine. Who cares? Because you trust the other nine to take away their 10. And I know that, look, I am as big a Lamar Jackson guy as you can find. Was one of his bigger advocates during that quarterback class. People might say he was only your QB4. Look, there are people telling him to move to wide receiver. People that get bigger paychecks than I do. And so I was going off there, defending him every chance I got. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I'm hoping to get to that game because, look, it's in my neck of the woods. would love to see it. But I think the idea of making him beat you from the pocket is where you want to be. Because if you turn him into a pocket passer, which he can do extremely well, don't get me wrong, but now he's doing it against your secondary with guys that you know you can cover, like the Mark Andrews of the world. 
And so I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to stick with their identity. They're still going to be a man coverage team. They're not going to worry so much about Lamar beating them with their legs in, in terms of running downfield when secondary guys have their backs to them because they'll double spy them at times. Jamie Collins and Patrick Sean or you know, maybe a Kyle Van Noy and a Patrick Sean or a Van Noy and a Jamie Collins situation. But they're going to make sure that if he wins, it's going to be with the arm. And if he does, look, okay, sometimes it happens. But they're not going to let him beat them with their legs. So I think that's how they're going to approach it. But it's a fascinating thing to think about. Then also on Thursday, we had episode 32 of the SCO show, and I was joined by Jeff Lloyd, who covers the Browns for the Locked On Podcast Network. And in this clip, you'll hear Jeff give his overall impression of where the Cleveland Browns are right now at this point in the football season. Uh, I think we're doing a lot more, you know, same old, same old, if you will. This is the stuff I talked about my first year here, which was the 0-16 season. How can you get this team better? Or do you tinker here? Do you tinker there? Um, you know, then last year, obviously, there was some success. And it's all right, well, where do you just need a couple of pieces? This year, I think it's nerves. Because for the first time in forever, there were expectations. So, you know, why isn't this working? Um, you know, well, Freddie isn't cut out. You know, he was never a head coach. Well, we knew Freddie was never a head coach. Um, we knew that going into it. Um, you look at the schedule they've played. I mean, other than the Jets, every one of these teams has got a pretty darn good record. You knew it was going to be a tough beginning stretch. There were, there was a possibility always of going two and five to start out this gate. I don't think anybody realized how good San Francisco was. That one was a little surprising. Seattle, you know, they kind of put that one on themselves. Uh, you know, anytime you're going to play the latter part of a first half with the equation of we're going to let Russ have the ball one more time and then we're going to take it from him again and we'll score twice here in a minute and 40 seconds. Yeah, I mean, that's that's rookie head coaching. There's things you just don't want to do. I mean, you, you look at what Baltimore did to Seattle last week. How did they win? Kept the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. That's usually your best option. Um, so Freddie's obviously, you know, I don't want to say overcoaching, maybe maybe too aggressive in some of the things he's doing. Um, the other thing is is the play calling, and I, and I know you study this. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of flow or a lot of rhyme or reason as to what they're doing. Um, he saw good signs in Baltimore, and that's where all right, back to two and two. Now we got two te- you know two games against the NFC West, some really good opponents, and you didn't see any of it really in the San Francisco game. Maybe partly because they got blown out so early. The Seattle game, you saw some nice things. Just wasn't enough, and then Freddie got caught up with the officials, and you, you basically ran the same play that you ran while you were trying to review it. I mean, you can't run the same play two plays in a row at the goal line in the NFL. You, right. you just can't do stuff like that. Um, and then the fans themselves, I guess they're just you know, oh, can we resolve the left tackle issue? You really can't resolve the left tackle issue. There's maybe ten great ones in the league. They get drafted. They stay with a franchise for ten years. And then they eventually retire. Uh, And the other thing is you cannot always have everything. I don't care what team you are. There's always going to be a spot on your roster where you say, man, you wish you could upgrade there. You just can't have it all done for every season, whether it's injuries or, you know, obviously cap allotment or, you know, guys aging or somebody gets injured. You're always going to be short somewhere. It just seems this year it's hitting them at the offensive tackle position, which was the same two guys they had last year. But last year, these two guys play over the second half of the season, played the best ball of their careers. Now they're kind of reverting back to what they've always been. Then we closed out the week with episode 48 of Patriot Nation. And Ryan Spagnoli and Pat Lane were joined by the one and only Taylor Kyles. And in this segment, they talk about a Landon Roberts fullback extraordinaire. The in second fairness, one, he popped, he popped Jamal Adams in the hole. Now, or, or, yeah, Jamal Adams. And then yeah, the second yeah. one, Jamal tried to go under him. 
and Roberts kind of went over him, got Cashman. So we basically got two guys at once. And you saw, like, I was looking at his feet because when you think about it, like in the goal line, it's so tight and there's so many bodies around. It's really easy to just, you know, the first time that uh, Robert, Roberts was in the fullback, he just ran right into yeah. uh, Marcus yeah. Cannon. So you saw he started a little hot. And it's not easy because you got to navigate through traffic. You got to make sure that right. you're actually creating a lane and somewhere for your running back to follow you through. And that was something I thought he did fairly well. Again, it was two snaps that he actually got the job done. So I'm not going to say that, you know, you're going to start no, seeing right. him like outside hey, and right all that hey. stuff, you know. Hey. He's going to come in out and get your pass. <laughs> In the Super Bowl. Like if Andrew Roberts it. gets the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, Michael Feldman. We've seen him try to catch. all done that. I'll throw ten bucks on it now. <laughs> We've seen him try to catch interceptions, so I'm not sure that's the best idea. He dropped like two or three the past couple of years. Landon Roberts has dropped like a couple interceptions. Yeah, he is really years, bad. So I'm not. Well, he's gonna have to show that one in practice. If they're gonna give him that chance. So there you have it, folks. Just a little bit of everything we put together for you this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Next time you'll hear from us will be sometime Sunday afternoon or evening in the wake of what we hope to be the New England Patriots moving to 8-0 with a victory over the Cleveland Browns. Win or lose, though, you know we will be there covering it for you with an instant reaction show as well as episode 33 of the SCO Show, which will drop both of those probably sometime Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. As always, friends, please do. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your show so you can stay up to date with everything we're doing for you at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Leave reviews if you can. Tell strangers we're getting into the holiday season. If there's an awkward conversation at the Thanksgiving dinner table, change the subject. How? Talk about the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and say how great it is and how everybody should be listening to all the shows we're putting together. Because remember, from the Patriots players, their coaches, the front office, and yes, the hosts here at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, there are no days off.